What's up, everyone? This is episode number 86 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, I feel like I've got a great show for you guys today. Uh, at least I'm excited about it. First, I want to share some news from the Industry Summit. I want to talk about a piece of Pacers mail. And then today's main segment talks about a company that wants to grade your graded cards. You don't want to miss that. But let's start off with the news about next season's release schedule, which came from Panini at this week's Industry Summit. Of course, we don't know when the actual NBA season will start. I've heard January. I've heard March. But really, you know, we have no clue. And when it comes to cards, though, the show must go on. So we got a tentative schedule that goes from January all the way to the end of June. And it looks to be more of a half schedule. I'm not going to read every release off to you, but I do want to touch on some of the highlights because we get hoops on January 13th. So that's January 13th. Mark your calendars. Uh, Donruss is two weeks later. Prism is slated to come out on March 3rd. And it's going to be weird not hunting for that around Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's a hunt that Mrs. Wax Museum and I have enjoyed since at least 2017, at least the retail component of it. Um, so that'll be March 3rd is what we're looking at for Prism. We get Optic on April 14th, National Treasures then on June 16th, and then finally they have Mosaic slated for the end of June. And like I said, I, I think that's a half schedule for right now. I'm hoping they bring back a real version of status. I'm sure, as usual, flawless, immaculate, opulence, that kind of stuff comes towards the end of the season. But a lot can change before then. At least we have some idea now when it all starts. Okay, as for mail this week, I got a few things in. A couple of nice Pacers gold refractors, the gold binder. It's looking better and better every day. But there's one specific mail day that I want to talk about, and this was an eBay pickup. It was a 2000-2001 Topps Chrome Final Piece Refractor NBA Finals Game Worn Patch of Jonathan Bender, numbered to 10. And there are different variations of this card. Um, the first one, is, the lowest level variation, is a Final Piece jersey set. It's not a Chromium card. It's not numbered, but it just has a basic jersey piece from the NBA Finals. You might recall my conversation with a Ron Harper collector named Mark from episode 34. We talked about that regular jersey set and how he's using the top certification sticker on the back to sort of um, reverse engineer print runs, which I thought was pretty cool. So just a reminder, if you have any of those final piece cards for any players, Pacers or Lakers, shoot him a picture of the back sticker or shoot it to me and I'll make sure I'll get it to him. Um, but that's just the jersey version. So then there is a patch version, number to 25, that has a chrome finish. And I already had that one for Jonathan Bender. Um, and then there's this refractor version that's numbered to 10, which I just got. And um, I think I have like at least eight different players from just the chrome patch variation, number to 25. But this is my, after all these years, this is my first refractor version. And let me tell you, this thing is stunning in person. Checks off so many boxes for me. It's Pacers. It's 2000s. It's rare. 
Um, it looks great. It's finals worn. And that's the only time that my favorite team has ever made the NBA finals. So needless to say, I was very excited about that mail day. And um, I don't remember what account I posted it on this week. I know I put it on social media. If I don't get it on the Wax Museum profile, someone please shoot me a message and I'll make sure you guys have a chance to see it. All right, well, before I move into today's main segment, I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit about Fanatics, you know, that company that just signed an exclusive with Tom Brady. Well, as you guys know, there are costs that go into running a podcast, so I signed up for the Fanatics affiliate program, albeit at a much reduced rate compared to Tom Brady. But um, several of you have already purchased items using my link. In fact, someone made a very large purchase of football sets last week. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Whatever NBA gear you're looking for, or really any sport, there's a good chance Fanatics has it. So if you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.tinyurl.com WMPod and click on the Fanatics logo at the top. Shop as planned and the Wax Museum podcast gets a small commission in the process. It's a win-win. Once again, that's www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, let's talk a little bit about grading. And no, I'm not talking about my outstanding 10-day order that was received by SGC on June 26th. You can do the math and check the facts. That's a topic for another day. Um, But a lot of you are experiencing similar things with the two major companies and also SGC. So you get it. Uh, I know I'm not alone in this, but it fascinates me that this hobby is influenced so heavily by grading companies who I think it's fair to say have been largely inefficient in the past. And that's just one thing about grading. There are a number of labels that we could apply to these companies or apply to grading in general. I've talked about all these issues on the show ad nauseum. Um, And then we see things like the Zion Black label that I talked about in episode 77. That was clearly not a 10. And I I put in the cert number the other day and it's still, it looks like it's still in the registry. Um, On the one hand, Beckett told me that they stand behind their grades But then the next day, they asked PWCC to pull it so they could look at it. So clearly, they didn't stand behind their grade in that case, or they had some doubts about it. But it took other people, outside people, policing it for it to get to that point. And while we try our best as the collecting community to point some of these things out, some of you might be asking the question, Sed quis custodia ipsos custodius? Okay, so maybe you're not phrasing it quite that way, and it's Latin, so I'm sure I probably butchered the pronunciation, but it's a phrase that you might have some level of familiarity with and not know it. Allow me to veer off the path for a moment here, because I think this is all very interesting, and I promise I'll bring this thing full circle. So that question, that weird question that I just asked, was originally part of a satire from uh, sometime around the late first century. Is written by a Roman author named Juvenal. And that's Juvenal, not to be confused with another popular lyricist from the late 90s, Juvenile. However, even though they come from vastly different eras, both of them weighed in on infidelity. In fact, 
That's what Juvenal, the elder of the two, was writing about in his sixth satire. And in this situation, um, a husband locked his wife in the house to prevent her from committing adultery. But over time, she managed to seduce the guards or the people that were watching her, which then begged the question, said quis custodia ipsos custodes, which loosely translates to who guards the guards or who watches the watchmen. So there's some history you probably didn't need, but you got it anyway. And then, of course, that phrase has been adapted over time to apply in a more broader sense to corruption. And, you know, we see corruption in this hobby from time to time. So when it comes to grading, maybe you've muttered under your breath, said quis custodiat ipsos custodes, or who grades the graders? Well, not surprising, in 2020 of all years, we might have an answer or at least a candidate to do so. You guys will decide on your own if you want to use this service. And it might be someone that you're already familiar with. His name is Mike Baker, and he's the leader of the appropriately named Mike Baker Authenticated, or MBA. And this company has a website. I encourage you to go check it out for yourself, read up on it, see what they have to say. You can find it at mbadiamond.com. Once again, that's mbadiamond.com. And before I get too far in, I want to emphasize that any questions posed today are not intended to be an attack on Mike Baker. I don't know the guy. You know, I have nothing against the guy. Um, rather, I think anytime something new comes into the hobby or any service that is offered um, that could affect the hobby in some way, I think we need to take a close look at it and decide if this is really something that we need, you know, collectors and investors alike. And you might listen to this today and think, well, you know, I've been waiting for a service like the one he offers. I can't wait to find out more. Or you might listen and decide, this isn't for me. That's your decision. I'm just going to present the facts as I see them and give some thoughts along the way. So, first off, who is Mike Baker? Well, if you go to the company website, there's a short bio where he explains that he has over three decades of experience in the industry. And he tells us that in 1991... He became the first employee of PSA, and eventually he became the director of grading there. Um, the site makes no mention, however, of his tenure as the head of trading cards at GAI, which stood for Global Authentication Incorporated, uh, and there's information about that company online. Anyway, after they went through some major financial issues, Baker purchased some of the card and grading assets and started an offshoot company called Global Authority Incorporated. So even though all of that falls under the decades of experience that the site mentions, it doesn't mention the stuff after PSA. I figure you guys might want to know that for context. He's been around a while. So the next question then is, what is this new company, MBA, doing? Well, here's a brief write-up from the website. It says, quote, Ever question why some cards bring more money than others? Well, within every grade is a spread from the bottom to the top of the technical grading criteria. Collectors with greater knowledge of the card are at an advantage to obtain cards at better than true market value. MBA certification levels the playing field for all collectors to maximize their collection. Mike Baker, as the founding director of grading at PSA, saw a need to highlight the best of the best in the hobby. The three major grading companies have left a lot of interpretation up to the collectors and investors within each numerical grade, along with each company setting their own standards of grading. The grades do not always reflect the unique, 
and by the way, if you're listening, Mike, unique is spelled wrong, um, does not always reflect the unique individual characteristics, which varies from card set to card set. MBA only awards stickers to PSA, SGC, and BGS cards that meet standards for each specific type of card and for today's selective investors. End quote. All right, so all that is to say, it looks like they're evaluating previously graded cards and giving them another level of certification based on their technical qualities. And you can see some examples of this on eBay already. Um, The last I checked, Probstein had a few listed. And I posted a picture of the um, Jason Tatum Prism Rookie on my profile. Now, in addition to the sticker... They all come with a placard that talks a little about the company. So I'm going to read a part of that off for you real quick. It says, quote, This PSA card has been awarded a MBA gold diamond after a 10-point inspection process. Our gold level stickered cards exhibit premium centering and print quality and deliver the highest quality, which quality is misspelled, of known examples in the marketplace. Our 30 plus years of experience in technical grading ensure the integrity of our high-end examples. Um, Mike Baker authenticated, which authenticated is misspelled, um, certifications highlight the best technical merits of the cards in the grade assigned by PSA. At no time does the certification imply that the current state is misrepresented by PSA. So um, when I first posted this, there were, there were a lot of people chiming in with their thoughts, and I appreciate the dialogue, but I also want to encourage people, um, before you read the comments, take a look at everything and come up with your own opinions and then comment. Um, that's how we have really um, quality dialogue. And to do that, sometimes though we have to, to really examine things, we have to ask questions, right? Question everything, that whole idea. Um, when it comes to an endeavor like this and, quote, grading the graders, I think it's fair for consumers to ask some of the same questions or voice some of the same concerns they've had with the idea of grading as a whole. And I'd like to talk through a few of those questions today. Um, number one, for starters, when anyone is sending something in, they need to ask, does this card need to be graded? Or in this case, does this need a second level of quote-unquote expertise? Couldn't we just look at the card instead and form our own opinion? Um, Do we really need a number attached to it? And I did an episode this spring where I went through my first grading experience, and I tried to brainstorm different reasons why people grade cards and choose a handful of cards that represented those approaches because I wanted to try um, and experience something that I hadn't before in my over two and a half decades in the hobby. Well, uh, some of those approaches included uh, bringing value to base cards and other cards that typically aren't worth much raw, getting a valuable card slab to make the selling process easier and prevent returns, getting a card authenticated when there are fakes and reprints out there, getting a card slab to maintain quality within one's collection. So some of those will apply to this new service and some of them won't. For instance, you don't need them to authenticate a card twice, so we can rule that one out. But just as with grading, I think this service caters more to investor types. And it doesn't have to be all one or the other. Like I said, I think it just caters more. And there's nothing wrong with that. The two types can coexist, but 
most collectors aren't looking at their cards under a jeweler's loop. And I'll give you what I thought was a good example that I saw this weekend where um, someone posted a Wilt Chamberlain rookie on the blowout forums. It was a beautiful looking card and it was an SGC 1.5. Apparently there were a couple of staple holes in the card. So the grade probably was accurate. That's nothing against SGC. Now, as a collector, that's perfect for me. That's a perfect target because I could potentially buy this card at a great price. People are turned away by the the grade. Um, I'm happy with the way it looks. And because it's a Wilt rookie, it's likely to go up in value over time. Um, and I know the term scarce gets thrown around a lot, but basketball cards from 1961 are in fact scarce. They just didn't make as many. There wasn't a demand. Um, but anyway, I, I could talk about Wilt cards for a long time, maybe, and I will someday. But uh, the question, going back to the question, does it really need to be verified? And what happens to the cards that don't get the diamond? Because, you know, when it comes to grading, they just get a lower grade. Well, what happens here? Is there a sticker with, uh, I don't know, a lower level precious substance like silver or ruby? You know, who knows? Uh, Number two, another big question that applies to both grading and this new endeavor Does the potential jump in value justify the cost of the service itself? I don't think I have to explain that in grading. A lot of people play the numbers game. They know if they send in X amount of cards and end up with X amount of tens, they'll more than cover the cost and they'll make money. Well, in this case, the cards are already graded. So how much is the second opinion really worth? And let's say they're grading a PSA card. Well, what's that saying about PSA? Well, on the placard itself, uh, Mr. Baker notes, at no time does the certification imply that the current state is misrepresented by PSA. So he's not trying to undermine the PSA grades. That might actually be a technicality to cover the company legally um, because at the same time, the company exists to atone for and seemingly profit off of the inconsistencies of PSA's human graders. Some people might see that as a contradiction, some might not. And if we're talking about PSA, you know, something I was thinking about, does he give second opinions for cards that were graded under his tenure there? Is he being paid to double check his own work? And what incentive would there be for him to not give those cards some sort of special diamonds? Because if he declares they're not worthy, he's essentially saying his past work is not credible. But then he's got an entire section of his website where he uses his past work to establish his credibility now. So that's um, kind of a vicious cycle to put yourself in. Now, the original question, though, that I ask here for number two pertains to value. So in all fairness, I want to mention that he appears to have some sort of diamond membership structure um, in place that he wants to use to give more value to the service. So Um, I can't speak much to that. I don't see a lot of info right now, but there is some sort of plan in place. So it could be more than just adding a sticker to a card. But, you know, right now we're seeing some of these cards for sale with Probstein on eBay. So they don't appear to be part of this new marketplace or they're being sold elsewhere. My guess is that those were probably listed with high buy it nows to get some uh, visibility for a new company. If that was the case, you know, mission accomplished. There's nothing wrong with that. Number three, a third big question I have then would be, do you trust the person or company grading your cards? 
I wouldn't know Mike Baker if he walked by me on the street. So I have to look at his history in the industry and then also how he presents himself and his company on paper, or in this case, placards. We know he worked at PSA. We know he tried to revive a branch of Global, so he's at least been in the industry. If you like what he did at those two companies, that should factor into your decision to use the new one. Um, Now, as for how he presents this new company, we have the website, and then also we have the placards, which were prominently displayed on the eBay auctions, so they were meant to draw attention. Um, There's clearly a visual or presentation-like element to them. They were presented... They were um, scanned in that first picture. Now, I touched on them earlier, but a lot of people on social media have pointed out the typos and the grammatical errors. And off the top of my head, I remembered, you know, he misspelled authenticated and quality. Um, And then, as I mentioned earlier, there were typos on the website. You know, it's funny in a way because this is what I deal with on a daily basis. I'm a teacher. And I have students ask me why editing their papers is so important. We're not going to write papers in the future. We're not going to write essays in the future. And I tell them because it's a reflection of you and your work. Okay, I can have you in my class and know that you're a super intelligent kid, but there might be someone that doesn't know you and they only see your written work. If that work is sloppy or careless, they might not get the same impression of you. Okay, I'm telling that to, I'm teaching that to 12 year olds. Um, Now, for all we know, Mike Baker might have an eagle eye. Okay, he might be an awesome grader. But there's a certain level of irony here because the placard really plays up the company's attention to detail, but it's written in a way that would make the Microsoft Word paperclip want to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. (laughs) And I think this is a valid cause for concern. People on social media have expressed this in different ways. One of those people was Adam Lefko, and Mr. Baker responded to him and said, Made a mistake on the placard. I signed off on the final proof and missed the grammatical errors. New placards ordered today, old ones shredded, beating myself up over it. Well, um, you know, let me stop and say, I, you know, I don't know if there's really weeping and gnashing of teeth, but I like the humility here. we've begged for grading companies to own up to their mistakes. Um, So that first part seemed nice, except he wasn't done. There's more to that post. The second half said, good thing since the service launched two months ago, I've certified some of the best cards in the hobby, including the most expensive one. Smiley face emoji. Um, This would be a great post to show my students as a bellwork activity. The question would simply be, where does the author's tone undergo a dramatic shift? Well, you guys passed for today. I'm sure you already answered that in your head, and you could sense it when I read it. It gave me a bit of a um, check the facts kind of vibe. And I might be misunderstanding the most expensive card part. I was under the impression that that was the $4 million trout Uh, But that was a BGS card. I don't see any extra stickers on the slab. You know, maybe I might just be overlooking something there. So maybe someone can clarify that for me. Let's assume, though, that that's true. And given the benefit of the doubt, that still doesn't change the tone. Some people respond really well to that tone and others don't. So once again, that's up to you, the listener and the potential customer. All right. 
So to sum things up, grading's huge right now. Grading companies make mistakes. A former PSA employee has decided to create a service where he essentially grades the graders. This might be something that sticks. It might not. Um, hopefully I presented the facts here today and posed some questions that will help you to decide on your own. Um, and as I close out today, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think about this. Feel free to comment on my social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. Shop through my Fanatics link and I'll get a small cut. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.